helplessness. In this next half hour, hello, this is Reverend Billy from the Earth Church in New York. Thanks for being with me. In this next 29 minutes, let's try to, let's inhabit the common sense of survival, peace. Capital P-E-A-C-E. It's not really close at hand right now, but let's take it into our hands. It's there for us. It's in our bodies. It's in the survival part of our bodies. Long ago evolution. We want peace. Let's make that decision right here at the top. We want peace. Now, the vengeful tribal memory of historical abuses it's all understandable. And as I speak now, this weekend, of course, the, the protests will continue. But let's now, for this half hour, let's just give ourselves the job of remembering and then re-operating in, inside of peace as a way of living and doing something with our hands and our minds as a practical thing to apply. Because peace has become this brilliant bird of paradise. Deep in the woods, we can't see it. We kind of hear it singing, but it's way in the distance. Speaking of peace singing, let's go to the people who were teachers of peace in the past and remember them. Remember their brave souls and how they lifted voices for us. You know, I'm thinking of Nina Simone and Joan Baez, and I'm thinking of... Nelson Mandela and, and um, uh, Johnny Cash. And, you know, sometimes peace came in friendships. Nina Simone and James Baldwin, uh, Bishop Tutu and Nelson Mandela. I'm thinking of, of Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan. Let, let's, let's go, let's remember when peace was solid like that. A way of speaking and singing, a way of being together where we had this resistance to the bullet and the bomb. Shall we do that? Shall we go there and just, just re, reignite in our, in our body's memory that common sense, that common sense of survival? Somebody give me a peace hallelujah today. Earth hallelujah. If I had thought at some point that we were going to make everything better by singing We Shall Overcome, I would have been really in distress now, but I was, had the right people to train me, to teach me that you overcome a little bit at a time, and we overcame a lot, and now there's been a big slide. Um, so it, all the more important to keep, to keep working and doing your part in what I call a, uh, it's like an oasis of sanity. How many roads 
I come to this magnificent house of worship tonight because my conscience leaves me no other choice. I join you in this meeting because I'm in deepest agreement with the aims and work of the organization which has brought us together, clergy and laymen concerned about Vietnam. The recent statements of your executive committee are the sentiments of my own heart, and I found myself in full accord when I read its opening lines. A time comes when silence is betrayal, and that time has come for us in relation to Vietnam. The truth of these words is beyond doubt, but the mission to which they call us is a most difficult one. Even when pressed by the demands of inner truth, men do not easily assume the task of opposing their government's policy, especially in time of war nor does the human spirit move without great difficulty against all the apathy of conformist thought within one's own bosom and in the surrounding world. Moreover, when the issues at hand seem as perplexing as they often do in the case of this dreadful conflict, we are always on the verge of being mesmerized by uncertainty, but we must move on. And some of us who have already begun to break the silence of the night have found that the calling to speak is often a vocation of agony, but we must speak. We must speak with all the humility that is appropriate to our limited vision, but we must speak. And we must rejoice as well, for surely this is the first time in our nation's history that a significant number of its religious leaders have chosen to move beyond the prophesying of smooth patriotism to the high grounds of a firm dissent based upon the mandates of conscience and the reading of history. <clears throat> Perhaps a new spirit is rising among us. <clears throat> if it is, let us trace its movements and pray that our own inner being may be sensitive to its guidance. <laughs> happy and excited to have our uh, next guest uh, back with us here tonight. He is a uh, truly a legend in the uh, music world, and tomorrow night this man will be playing the big Bob Dylan tribute taking place at Madison Square Garden here in New York City. Ladies and gentlemen, as I said before, quite a pleasure to welcome him back to the program, the man in black, Johnny Cash. Johnny! 
many roads must a man walk down before you can call him a man? How many seas must a white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? Yes, and how many times must the cannonballs fly before they are forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Yes, and how many years can a mountain exist? Before it is washed in the sea Yes, and how many years can some people exist Before they're allowed to be free Yes, and how many times can a man turn his head And pretend that he just doesn't see The answer, my friend is blowing in the wind the answer is blowing in the wind the answer my friend is blowing in the wind the answer is blowing in the wind and the reverend back again peace is always right here inside and it's been far away from us the peace movement is not something that people have been repeating. It's not on our lips. But now more than ever, it needs to be reclaimed. You with me? Peace is a sensual gift that comes with the gift of life. It's a sensual life. It's loving communities. It's loving relationships. And the more you do peace, the more peace keeps peacefully moving into other people's souls. And eventually the people with the weapons and the guns and the explosives, they put those weapons down. Now we know what we're up against. You and I are the innocents. We're, we are not armed. We're the people trying to protect our children. We're the people trying to find a place that's safe. We know the petro personalities and religious fundamentalists and racists. We know they're coming to get us. They have belief systems that are armed. We know them. And we confront them with our new ways of living, new ways of deploying innocence. We're not just running away anymore. We protest with our newfound peace movement and the killers will become lovers because they'll be overwhelmed by innocent life. They're not as powerful as the earth. And we are the earth. earth alleluia. peace alleluia. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. In August, researchers from Stockholm University and Linnaeus University found a huge methane leak while exploring the deepest part of the Baltic Sea, the Landsort Deep, which is about 30 kilometers from the nearest coastal town. The leak is located 400 meters below the ocean surface and is thought to be around 20 square kilometers in size. 
the equivalent of roughly 4,000 soccer fields. The team were looking to expand knowledge of methane, its sources, and its sinks in oxygen-free environments such as the deepest part of the Baltic Sea. Methane is a major contributor to atmospheric warming. It is about 80% more potent than carbon dioxide and is responsible for about 30% of the global rise in temperatures. The gas is formed from microorganisms that live in the sedimentary layers of the seabed and convert organic material, usually long dead plankton, into methane. Once produced, it can be released into the atmosphere by naturally occurring fissures or by human activities. When Iceland suspended the summer 2023 commercial whaling season, many were optimistic it could be the final nail in the coffin for the dwindling whaling industry. However, those hopes have been dashed after Iceland's government quietly announced it will be lifting the summer suspension on whaling, effectively allowing hunting to resume under a new set of regulations. In June 2023, the suspension of hunting was announced after a major report published by the Icelandic Food and Veterinary Authority in May 2023, suggested whales were often subjected to long and agonizing deaths at the hands of Icelandic sailors. Under the new regulations, whales can only be hunted off Iceland within a distance of 25 meters from the boat to reduce the odds of the animals receiving painful but non-fatal injuries. Hunters are not allowed to kill any whales if a calf is following them and some controversial methods of slaughter, such as electrification, have also been outlawed. Scientists have discovered a huge spike in radiocarbon levels 14,300 years ago by analyzing ancient tree rings found in the French Alps. The radiocarbon spike was caused by a massive solar storm, the biggest ever identified. A similar storm today would be catastrophic for modern technological society potentially wiping out telecommunications and satellite systems, causing massive electricity grid blackouts, and costing us billions of dollars. In 2022, Global Forest Watch placed Bolivia third in the world for primary forest loss, behind Brazil and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. But scaled to population, Bolivia's deforestation is four times that of Brazil. And even as Brazil's deforestation falls, Bolivia's is rising. Its loss rate of primary forest jumped by 32% from 2021 to 2022. Most of this is happening in Santa Cruz, Bolivia's most economically dynamic region where most of its soya and beef as well as its sugarcane, corn, and sorghum is produced. Santa Cruz is also home to the Chiquitania, a dry forest ecosystem that is part of the Amazon watershed. Almost a quarter of it has been deforested since 1985. Soya farming is the most significant driver of deforestation in Bolivia. In 2022, soya and its derivatives were Bolivia's third largest export, generating revenues of more than $2 billion. Tens of thousands of people living in rural Sri Lanka have been devastated by kidney failure due to unclear causes, also known as CKDU. Similar incidences of mysterious kidney diseases have emerged in tropical farming communities around the world. A massive field study of the wells supplying drinking water to the Sri Lankan communities has identified a possible culprit, glyphosate, the active compound in Roundup, the most widely used herbicide in the world. Glyphosate is supposed to break down in the environment within a few days to weeks, 
But when glyphosate encounters certain trace metal ions that make water hard, like magnesium and calcium, glyphosate metal ion complexes can form. Those complexes can persist up to seven years in water and 22 years in soil. In certain agricultural areas of Sri Lanka, the high, dry climate combined with its geological formations creates the perfect conditions for hard water. It is also in these regions that CKDU has reached epidemic levels, with as many as 10% of children aged 5 to 11 years exhibiting signs of early-onset kidney damage. Artificial intelligence, or AI, when adopted widely, could have a very large energy footprint. Training generative AI tools requires feeding the models a large amount of data, a process that is energy intensive. Hugging Face, an AI developing company based in New York, reported that training its multilingual text generating AI tool consumed enough to power 40 average American homes for one year. And AI's energy footprint does not end with training. New analysis shows that when the tool is put to work, generating data based on prompts, Every time the tool generates a text or image, it also uses a significant amount of computing power, and thus energy. ChatGPT could cost 564 megawatt hours of electricity a day to run. Google has been incorporating generative AI in the company's email service and is testing out powering its search engine with AI. The company processes up to 9 billion searches a day. Based on the data, researchers estimate that if every Google search uses AI, it would need about 29.2 terawatt hours of power a year, which is equivalent to the annual electricity consumption of Ireland. By 2027, worldwide AI-related electricity consumption could increase by 85 to 134 terawatt-hours annually. The amount is comparable to the annual electricity consumption of countries such as the Netherlands, Argentina, and Sweden. The Mountain Valley Pipeline is now approximately 94% finished and will be fully built by year's end to carry gas from the Marcellus and Utica shale formations to customers in the mid-Atlantic and southern U.S. The pipeline begins in West Virginia and stretches down the mountainous watershed into southern Virginia. Multiple environmental groups challenged the project's federal agency authorizations, including a right-of-way to cross a 3.5-mile corridor of the Jefferson National Forest. The pipeline is five years behind its original schedule, and its budget has swelled from $3.5 billion to $6.6 billion, in part due to the company racking up hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines for violating state regulations. People living along the route raised concerns about the project's environmental impacts, especially on local water resources, the potential of the pipe to blow up when gas is running through it, and that overcoming construction hurdles along the most physically challenging parts of the route may permanently alter and degrade the natural landscape. Activists continue to block construction and stop work on the pipeline almost every day. Many of the world's largest public and private companies will soon be required to track and report almost all of their greenhouse gas emissions if they do business in California, including emissions from their supply chains, business travel, employees' commutes, and the way customers use their products. 
That means oil and gas companies like Chevron will likely have to account for emissions from vehicles that use their gasoline, and Apple will have to account for materials that go into iPhones. It's a huge leap from current federal and state reporting requirements, which require reporting of only certain emissions from companies' direct operations, and it will have global ramifications. Under the new Climate Corporate Data Accountability Act, U.S. companies with annual revenues of $1 billion or more will have to report both their direct and indirect greenhouse gas emissions starting in 2026. Another law, the Climate-Related Financial Risk Act, requires companies generating $500 million or more to report their financial risks related to climate change and their plans for risk mitigation. California's new laws represent a significant step toward mainstreaming corporate climate disclosures and potentially meaningful corporate climate actions. And now, the sounds of extinction. After deadly attacks by Hamas, Israel has launched an all-out siege on Gaza, one of the most densely populated places in the world, and home to at least eight Palestinian refugee camps. More than 300,000 people have been made homeless in just four days. And hear the sound of the siege of Gaza. And so, it's time to say goodbye. Here we are in this crisis. I hope that some of the thoughts that I've had about peace, uh, you feel good about it and, and feel encouraged and, and see a way forward. It's a time of sorrow, but it's also a time for a lot of people of just a f hopelessness. And let's be realistic, I mean, that is, it just doesn't seem like the human race is, is learning and, and going forward sometimes. The peace movement is a, a, an evolutionary movement because peace changes and grows. And war is not that. War takes us backwards into hatred and fear. Well, it's three in the morning here in New York, and I'm, I'm gonna sign off now. It's, it's a, a, a Thursday night. I've got to, I've got to go into Times Square today and, and preach peace with my friend Teodros Tamrit. And we will um, then sail into our Sunday performance with the Stop Shopping Choir. I know that people will, will find their way back to peace. I have that faith. And I know that you can't say peace enough. You can't, it just, it's, it's all over the sky. It's in the soil, it's growing in the trees. It's it just, it's the, it's the force. Like the old Star Trek thing. I mean, Star Wars, Star Wars. Couldn't they name that, give it a better name? They use that, that idea of the force. The force is peace. 
and we will learn it from each other. We'll share it and we will go forward. And we have that, we have that faith. And I want to thank the people that contributed today, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying goodbye before I know exactly what's going to be in the show today. Jason Candler will be putting it together today, and I'll be on the phone with him. Sabri D will have the news. Uh, we'll try to get talk today on the phone with Joan Baez. And I hope that our famous peace friend will, will find a, a good song today. I, let me just thank her. Whether, whether she's in this 29 minutes or not, thank all the other people who did contribute. The Stop Shopping Choir, Jason and Sabatry. Well, let's end today. Say goodbye. Peace, hallelujah.